Almost half a million copies of the earlier books are in print around the world, some of them in German and Spanish. The fans of Tales seem to be a loyal lot, rereading on a seasonal basis, forgiving me my trespasses when I deal too harshly or too infrequently with their favorite characters. To those of you who discovered and championed these novels in softcover, sometimes of necessity reading them out of order, I offer my heartfelt thanks for your faith. If, on the other hand, you're a newcomer to the lane, let me be the first to welcome you to the neighborhood. Marianne Singleton was 25 years old when she saw San Francisco for the first time. She came to the city alone for an eight-day vacation. On the fifth night, she drank three Irish coffees at the Buena Vista, realized that her mood ring was blue, and decided to phone her mother in Cleveland. Hi, Mom, it's me. Oh, darling, your daddy and I were just talking about you. There was this crazy man on Macmillan and Wife who was strangling all these secretaries, and I just couldn't help thinking, Mom, I know, just crazy old Mom wearing herself sick over nothing. But you never can tell about, Mom, I want you to do me a favor. Of course, darling. Oh, uh, before I forget it, I, I ran into Mr. Lassiter yesterday at the Ridgemont Mall, and he said the office is just falling apart with you gone. They don't get that many good secretaries at Lassiter Fertilizers. Mom, that's sort of why I called. Yes, darling? I want you to call Mr. Lassiter and tell him I won't be in on Monday morning. Oh, Mary Ann, I'm not sure you should ask for an extension on your vacation. It's not an extension, Mom. Well, then why... I'm not coming home, Mom. Don't be silly, darling. Mom, I'm not being silly. I like it here. It feels like home already. Marianne, if there's a boy... There's no boy. I just thought about this for a long time. Well, don't be ridiculous. You've been there five days. You aren't listening, Mom. I'm trying to tell you I'm a grown woman. Well, act like it then. You can't just run away from your family and friends and go live with a bunch of hippies and mass murderers. You've been watching too much TV. Okay, then what about the, the horoscope? What? The horoscope, that crazy man, the killer. Mom, the Zodiac. Same difference. And what about earthquakes? I saw that movie, Mary Ann. I nearly died when Ava Gardner... Will you just call Mr. Lassiter for me? Her mother began to cry. You won't come back. I just know it. Mom, please, I will. I promise. But you won't be the same. No, I hope not. When it was over, Marianne left the bar and walked through Aquatic Park to the bay. She stood there for several minutes, staring at the beacon on Alcatraz. She made a vow not to think about her mother for a while. At nine o'clock, she was the first customer of the day at a rental agency on Lombard Street. She wanted a view, a deck, and a fireplace for under $175. Jeez, said the rental lady. Awful picky for a girl without a job. She ended up with three possibles. The first one had an uptight landlady who asked if Marianne took marijuana. 
The second was a pink stucco fortress on Upper Market with gold glitter and the ceiling plaster. The last was on Russian Hill. The house was on Barbary Lane, a narrow wooded walkway off Leavenworth between Union and Filbert. It was a well-weathered three-story structure made of brown shingles. The landlady was a fifty-ish woman in a plum-colored kimono. I'm Mrs. Madrigal, she said cheerfully, as in medieval. Take your time. There's a partial view if you count that little patch of bay peeping through the trees. Utilities included, of course. Small house, nice people. She walked to the window where the wind made her kimono flutter like brilliant plumage. What do you say, dear? Mary Ann said yes. Good. You're one of us, then. Welcome to 28 Barbary Lane. Mrs. Madrigal smiled. There was something a little careworn about her face. But she was really quite lovely, Mary Ann decided. Do you have any objection to pets? asked the new tenant. Dear, I have no objection to anything. On her first morning at Barbary Lane, Mary Ann scanned the yellow pages for the key to her future. According to a large daisy-bedecked ad, the Metropolitan Employment Agency was an individualized job placement service that really cares about your future. The agency was on the fifth floor of a yellow brick building that smelled of cigars and industrial ammonia. Someone with an eye for contemporary Californiana had decorated the walls of the waiting room with Art Nouveau posters and a driftwood and copper sculpture of a seagull in flight. The woman there took the form Marianne filled out and readjusted her chain-guarded glasses on a small, pig-like nose. Her hair was done in a salt-and-pepper D.A. No degree, she said at last. I had two years at a junior college in Ohio, if that's... Major? Yes. Well? What? What did you major in? Oh, art history. The woman smirked. We've certainly got enough of those for a while. She wrote something on an index card and handed it to Mary Ann. This is a small office supply company on Market Street. The sales manager needs a girl Friday. Ask for Mr. Creech. He turned out to be a red-faced man of about 50. He was wearing a burgundy polyester jacket with an oversized houndstooth pattern. His trousers and tie were the same color. He smiled and leaned back in a squeaky swivel chair. Now I suppose you know what a girl Friday is. Sort of a gopher, right? Pays good, six fifty a month, and we're pretty relaxed around here, this being San Francisco. His eyes were fixed on Mary Ann's face. I like an informal office, said Mary Ann. You like Vegas, sir? Earl. What? Name's Earl. Informal, remember? He smiled and wiped his forehead. He was sweating profusely. I asked if you like Vegas. We go to Vegas a lot. Vegas, Sacramento, L.A., Hawaii. Lots of fringe benefits. Sounds really nice. He winked at her. If you're not, you know, uptight. Oh. Oh what? I'm uptight, Mr. Creech. He plucked a paper clip off the desk and tore it apart slowly without looking up. Next, he said quietly. Sir, get out. She went home to her new apartment and cried, falling asleep as the afternoon sun spilled in the window. She woke up at five and wrote a letter to her parents, optimistic but vague. 
There was a noise outside her door. She listened for a moment, then opened it. Plum-colored silk fluttered at the top of the stairway and descended out of sight. There was a note on Mary Ann's door. Something from my garden to welcome you to your new home. Anna Madrigal. Taped to the note was a neatly rolled joint. The woman down by the garbage cans had frizzy red hair and was wearing a country-chic cotton sharecropper's dress. She dropped her hefty bag with a disdainful wrinkle of her nose and smiled at Mary Ann. Garbage, you know, is very revealing. It beats the shit out of tarot cards. What would you say about, let's see, four yogurt cartons, a cost-plus bag, some avocado peels, and assorted cellophane wrappings? The woman pressed her fingers to her forehead like a psychic. Ah, yes, the subject takes care of herself, nutritionally, that is. She is probably on a diet and is furnishing a new apartment. Uncanny, Marianne smiled. She also likes growing things. She didn't throw out the avocado pit, so she's probably rooting it in her kitchen. Bravo, Marianne extended her hand. I'm Mary Ann Singleton. I know. From my garbage? From our landlady, the mother of us all. She shook Mary Ann's hand firmly. I'm Mona Ramsey, right below you. Hi. You should have seen what mother taped to my door last night. A joint? She told you? Nope. It's standard operating procedure. We all get one. She grows it in the garden? Right over there behind the azaleas, she's even got names for the plants, like Dante and Beatrice and... Hey, want some ginseng? What? Ginseng. I'm brewing some upstairs. Come on. Mona's second-floor apartment was adorned with Indian wall hangings.